worship this morning.
of praise this morning. Amen. We're going to ask you to take a few minutes and greet those around you before scripture and prayer. So will you do that at this time? Can we welcome each other to church this morning? start slowly making your way back if you will we're going to have scripture and prayer this morning uh, we always like to have a time where we read the word of the lord together in scripture and prayer and we're going to ask you to uh if you will to make your way back to to that we are so glad to have all of you we want to say to all our fathers this morning as those doing scripture and prayer will be coming shortly happy father's day can we give our, a hand of appreciation to all our fathers this morning for that as well we're going to ask you this time to stand. Brother Marion's going to come. He's going to lead us in scripture and prayer. And then immediately following, we're going to jump right back into worship this morning. God bless you. Take care. Good morning. Can you hear me? Praise the Lord. I'd like to say also um, happy Father's Day and um, also um, thankful for those that are visiting today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to have each and every one of you. You are welcomed here. Um, my scripture text is from Proverbs chapter 4. Instructions for the fathers and also for the children. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. 
For as my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother, he taught me also and said unto me, Let thy ear retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Praise the Lord. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer, invite his presence. We've been talking and teaching about the Holy Spirit the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I want to see a mighty move of God in this house and in this sanctuary. Let us pray. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, always for your, your mercies and your grace. Thankful, Lord, that we can come to the house of God and, Lord, lift up holy hands, a holy heart, praising and magnifying you. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would uh, touch and bless, Lord, every song. Lord, I pray, Lord, that praise would go up. Lord, I pray that you would bless and move upon your people. And, Lord, we'd be careful, Lord, to praise you and thank you for all that you do. Lord, meet the needs, we pray. And, Father, we'd be careful again to praise you and thank you. Lord, we love you. We invite your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's remain standing this morning for worship. We're going to sing a uh, praise chorus this morning. We're going to ask our ushers if they would to make their way this morning. And uh, they're going to serve you this morning. And uh, as they're, as we get ready to serve you, we're going to jump right back in to worship this morning. So let me, as the ushers make their way, let me pray over the offering. And immediately following that, we can bring those before the Lord today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you today. We thank you that your presence is in this place. Father, we pray that you would bless this offering, bless those that have to give and those that do not have to give. There is someone today doesn't have the ability to give, Lord, we're asking that at some point they would be able to, to render back, Lord, a measure of the thankfulness they have for all that you have done for them. Lord, we pray that this offering that is collected will be for the upbuilding of your kingdom. We love you and praise you. And the body of Christ together said amen. 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 Will you bring those before the Lord this morning?
you thankful today for the saving power of the Lord. Thank you, Usher, this morning. God bless you. Lord, we love you today, and we praise and we glorify your name. We magnify you, and we worship you. Lord, we know that you're a good, good father and a faithful friend. So, Lord, this morning we are decreeing and declaring that we know on this Father's Day there is no one greater or mightier or stronger than the Lord, our Father. And so, Lord, we welcome you in this place, and we ask that your presence would permeate and saturate this building. And, God, you would speak to the hearts of men and women in this building today. And we will forever glorify and magnify your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I can hear. Presence 
Surely of the Lord, of the Lord is in this place. Heavenly Father, we sense your spirit in this place. Father, we're asking today that the surreal, sweet spirit of the Holy Spirit of God would just come down and make residency with us in this house. Father, Lord, we are here, yes, to celebrate Father's Day and commemorate that. But God, there's no greater thing we can do than honor the Heavenly Father in this house. Because God, every day you bestow upon us bountiful blessings. You wake us up in the morning. You have given us provision for clothing on our back, food on our table, money to put in the gas tank to get to point A to point B. You are a faithful father and a faithful friend. You are good to us even when we don't deserve it. While we still yet were still in sin, dead in our trespasses and sin. Christ came down and he died for us. There's no greater representation of what it means to truly be a sacrificial father than one who is willing to give his own son his life as for a ransom of many. God, as we get ready here in just a moment to break the bread of life, I'm asking today that your spirit would speak to our hearts and let us hear from heaven. Hide me behind the cross and let your word go forth. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 4. While you're turning there, let me make a couple just housekeeping items to you today. We have a plethora, and I do mean a plethora, of needs in the house. As you can probably, for those of you that are here more often than not, you probably notice a wide disparity of people missing in this building. Now, while there are a few people who are not here due to traveling for Father's Day, and some of them are watching online, they've already told me they're watching online, and we are so glad that they're watching because, well, we need them to keep watching because that's the whole purpose of having it online, <laughs> is for them to be able to watch it. But while they're watching online, there are some who are watching online for different reasons. We thank the Lord for online abilities, but people like the Carlson family who are out, who are out today, people like Marge Smith who is still helping her friend who is sick in North Carolina, people like Brenda Burbage who is battling sickness and some irritation and swelling of her eye vessels and it's blood red and irritated and inflamed people like the Craven family who this morning right before Sunday school little Layla and Abby called me on the phone and said pastor we're not going to make it to church we're sick will you pray for us not their mom not their dad but they said pastor will you pray for us so I prayed on the phone with them and they said we miss church 
And you know what I told him on the phone? I wish other people did like you did too. I wish they missed church. I just sent it right back to them. Maybe they'll tell some folks that when they come back next Sunday. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. I, just, I wouldn't even have to say it. It's hard to get mad at children. But they're sick today. They want to be here. <laughs> but they're sick. The Harley family battling sickness in their family. Obviously, Corey Burbage and them are traveling. People like Sister Evelyn Barnes, who has pneumonia. She'd been battling some sickness. And uh, I have to be careful what I say because her daughter is with me today. I have to be careful because Brother Barnes brought reinforcements. Normally, he comes by himself. Today, he brought reinforcements with him. I don't know how I should feel about that. I don't know if I should be nervous, concerned, scared. Terrified. I don't know what I should feel right now. But he brought reinforcements. His daughter Julie, that uh, has a store down, I think it's on Kiowa Islands, a Kiowa. Yeah, doing the Charleston. She always is so kind around the holidays or birthdays. Sister Barnes always loads me up. And Sister Barnes always makes sure to tell me, Pastor, I got it from Julie's store. And I said, All right. Well, I probably should call Julie and thank her for my birthday gift then, since she probably got the family discount on you. And uh, so. Uh, but uh, we're glad to have Julie here. But Sister Barnes was not wanting. None of y'all would believe this, but Sister Barnes sometimes can be a little ornery. She's not like that. She's so docile. She's very calm. She does. She just goes with the flow. She's never a little ornery. But for some reason, she was a little ornery about going to the doctor. So the couple, uh, I guess it was last week, or well, the week before last, or might have been last week, I called Julie just to see how she was doing because she had been sick. And she said, Pastor, I can't get through to her. I need you to call her and tell her to go to the doctor. I said, what do you think I'm going to do? If you can't get her to go, what makes you think I'll get her to go? She said, I'm just trying anything at this point. So I call her. Hey, Sister Barnes, how you doing? Hey, Pastor. I said, how are you feeling? Not too good. I said, are you going to go to the doctor? I don't know. I said, you need to go to the doctor. Yeah, that's what Julie's been saying too. Did she call you? Uh, I did talk to Julie. She's feeling better, Sister Barnes. Did she tell you to call and tell me to go to the doctor? Um, I hope you get to feeling better. Let me pray with you. I got to go. I didn't want to have to answer that question. Um, but all joking aside, when she finally did go to the doctor to try to get some relief, uh, we found out she is pretty sick. And uh, we do believe that God's a healer, just like all the other people that are battling. We believe he's a healer. Now, sometimes he has to use medicine and, you know, medical personnel to help bring that about. But ultimately, he gets the final say. He gets the final show with that. And so we want to make sure uh, that we pray for her as well here shortly in terms of that. But for all our guests that are watching online, those of you that are in-house, I do see a few visitors here. We thank you for being with us today. You could have chosen anywhere else to be today, but you chose to be with us. And we, we are eternally indebted and grateful to that. I'm going to read the scripture first, and then we'll pray together, and then I will jump in to the message today. I know it's Father's Day. I'm, I, was, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. But over the last week, when I was at Church of God camp meeting and was thinking about some spiritual twist to Father's Day, you know, every preacher has to have some creative way to spend Father's Day or Mother's Day, or they always got to have some new trick up their sleeve. And I started thinking when I was driving back and forth, I had to bring Brandon back Monday, and so it was late at night in the car, and then on Wednesday night I drove back late again. I was in the car, and 
Everybody's sleeping. <laughs> and me and Jesus are just thinking out loud in the car. You know, it dawned on me. Why is it that on Mother's Day, now I'm not knocking Mother's Day and Father's Day, so don't get me wrong. But why is it that we, we spend sometimes such a concentrated effort, and we can honor them by giving them gifts and things like that, but what, what if we just, instead of worrying about, well, it's Father's Day and it's Mother's Day, what if we just said it's the Lord's Day? It dawned on me. While I try to put a spin, it's Mother's Day. We'll give moms a gift on May for Mother's Day. It's Father's Day. All you dads out there and soon-to-be dads, we got a gift for you this morning. And I didn't cheap out this year. You're not getting a coffee mug. I know you got enough of them in your cabinet. You don't need any more. Some of y'all got 45 already you've been collecting. I got you something different this year. I got you a subscription to your wife's favorite magazine. I'm, somebody likes that. That's not what I got you either. I didn't do that either. But, all joking aside, what if we just realized it was God's day? Now, we could celebrate our families, but it's something to be said when we celebrate in the house of the Lord. And I can't think of a better Sunday to celebrate than being in the Father's, the Heavenly Father's house. If we're going to celebrate anybody and worship anybody or laud our praise or or put our Facebook post out there about how special. So if we're going to celebrate anybody today, it really should be God. He's the best of the best. You can't get any better. Here's what the word of the Lord says in Proverbs chapter 4. If you want to stand and you're able, you can. We're going to read it right off the screen. This is the wisdom of the writer of Proverbs. He's giving instructions to his children. And that's what Proverbs, the whole book of Proverbs is all about. It's about these, these resuscitations and these responses of a father or, or a leader trying to steer people in the right directions. It's giving them instruction. He said, listen, my sons, to the instructions of a father. Pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I give you good teaching. Do not abandon my instruction." For when I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, he taught me. And he said to me, let your heart take hold of my words, keep my commandments, and you will live. Acquire wisdom. Fathers, if there's anything you could ever pass on to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, it is the legacy of having a relationship with Jesus Christ so they understand there is nothing better than to be perfectly made whole in the sight of an almighty God. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not abandon her. Talking about wisdom. She will guard you. Love her. and She will teach you. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse, or chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. Here's what the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy who is like a spiritual son to him in the Lord. He said, son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is a nice way, a son, no matter what I've, if I've ever taught you anything, the number one thing you've got to remember is stay strong in your faith with Jesus Christ. Stay strong. It's not going to be easy. Some days are going to be hard, but stay strong. Stay strong. Stay strong in what? In the things which you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people. Will be able to teach others also. What he said is, son, replicated everything I taught you. Now you go 
and you find somebody else to pour into and you teach them and you instruct them, you make sure that they know the same God that I've taught you about. Don't just keep it to yourself. Share the news with someone else. You know, that's what God still wants us to do today. He wants us to be so much more like Him and be shaped so much more in His image so that we can go to our families and to our friends and our communities and in return, we can show them the same God that came and found us. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Do not forget those things, Solomon said to his son. Do not forget the words. And the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, please go tell others and teach them the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to the very best of my ability, help me to preach your word. Not because I'm someone special. In fact, quite contrary to that. I'm no one special. But I serve a God who is special. A God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which my mind can think or comprehend according to the riches in Christ Jesus. I'm asking God, you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. You don't let me be seen, but you let you be seen. Not my words, but your words be heard. I'm asking that these people today, sitting under the sound of my voice, will forever leave this place changed, challenged, maybe even chastised by the power of God in the presence of these witnesses, but they will go out and make more disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. Let us not be just hearers of this word, but let us be doers of it likewise. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we commit these things into your care. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of of the Lord this morning. I want to talk to you just for a few moments on D3 supplements. Every Christian needs certain spiritual vitamins in their lives. For most people, when they get to a certain age, now none of y'all are to this age yet, so this is really, I'm just telling you what other people are like, not y'all. But some people, when they get to a certain age, they start taking supplements. To their diet. I know none of y'all have to take that yet. Y'all still young and looking good. Everybody's under 50 in this house this morning. Plus some. But the reality of it is sometimes people will take multivitamins. They'll take different supplements. Sometimes they have low iron, so they have to take iron infusions. Infusions. Sometimes they have to take potassium. Sometimes they have to take these different things based on what their blood work shows or what the levels show. Sometimes a doctor will say, we need to add a little bit of vitamin E to your diet or we need to add a little vitamin C to your diet. You're not getting enough orange juice and stuff. You need a little vitamin C to help you. But there's another vitamin that's out there that's called vitamin D. It is also a very important vitamin. In fact, there are three types of vitamin. There is D1, there is D2, and there is vitamin D3. Three different versions of this vitamin. It is a fat-soluble vitamin that helps produce in you similar to what you get if you stood outside in the sun and got the direct sunlight. It's that ability. You can get it from certain foods. You can get it from certain things you eat and drink. It has important functions. In fact, it helps regulate the absorption of calcium and phosphorus. It helps facilitate normal immune system functioning. 
And so getting enough vitamin D is important for the typical growth of bone and teeth development. It has helped, it has been used to help resist certain diseases and help combat certain diseases that attack the autoimmune system. It has been shown, signs have been shown to help regulate mood and reduce depression in some folks. In fact, some studies have even found that it has some properties that can even improve people trying to lose weight. Some people right now are going, I'm going to buy vitamin D3. Some of y'all are going to Walmart right now to buy some when I leave church. But I want you to understand that while these are some important aspects to have this vitamin D in our lives, do you realize that we, you, most of you here have probably been to church longer than this morning. You know that people have said that we are made in the image of God and that God wants us to be more like Him every day. But do you know sometimes God, being the great physician that He is, sometimes wants to write us some heavenly prescriptions so we can take some supplements in our spiritual journey to help us make it? I mean, what better doctor to go to than the great physician? He knows how all the supplements are supposed to work. And sometimes he prescribes to us these D3 supplements. Now, I know we're talking today's about Father's Day, but I want to talk to the whole body of believers, both online and in-house, about what the Heavenly Father wants out of you today, what He expects out of you, what the great physician, He wants all of us to have an abundant supply of D3 supplements in our lives. In fact, we know this because... In Romans 8 and 15, it tells us, For you did not receive the Spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you have received the Spirit of sonship, or some translations will say the Spirit of adoption, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, which lets us know we're in a communication and a relationship with God that is an intimate relationship with the Lord. Galatians 4 and 6 says, Because you are His children, God sent His Son, the Spirit of His Son, into our hearts so that the Spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. We are connected to God as a heavenly Father is to a child. But He wants us to have this deeper relationship with Him. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 7, the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy, the pastor, his apprentice, he tells him the kind of supplements that some of these things that God's looking for. He tells him that he wants people that are fearless. For God did not give you the spirit of fear. He said he wants them to be strong and loving and of sound mind. God did not give you the spirit of fear but of power. Be strong and of soundness of mind. He wants us to think clearly and operate without any functioning or inhibitations. He wants us to be in communication with him in a pure and a holy manner. But that's not all he told young Timothy. By 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, he tells him, Everything I've ever taught you, son, I need you to take that and I need you to go find somebody else and tell them the same thing I've already taught you. It's called the product of replication. It's not necessarily duplication. It's a replication. We're trying to help get them to take the same supplements God's prescribed to us. See, that's how the Apostle Paul grew his ministry. That is how God planned and used to propagate and expand his church was this model of train, pour into, equip, and then send out. That was the model of the early church. So what are these supplements? You say, well, Pastor, that sounds all well and good, but uh, what's these vitamins and these minerals that I'm supposed to take today? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let's jump right into it. 
one vitamin D3 supplement. God needs people that he can depend on. We're living in a world today where you can't depend on nobody. You certainly can't depend on the government. And sometimes you certainly can't depend on your family. Come on, preacher. I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. We went to a nominal church. I know I already feel it. The spirit of condemnation already upon me right now. But I'm going to preach it just because I don't have to preach tonight because it's Father's Day. And I'm letting you have the night off so I'm going to get it all out and run to my house and hide till next week. Well, till Wednesday night. But at least that's two days for you to pray about it. The reality of it is we can't depend on nobody anymore. Can't depend on our neighbors. Can't depend on our friends. People will let you down. It's a fact of life. If you get close enough to somebody, some point in life, they're going to let you down. That's a fact. But the reality of it is, the sad part about it is, is God wants a people and a remnant and a church that he can depend on in these last days, but they're getting few and far in between to find in these last days people and churches you can depend on. Back in the day, you could find a church on every street corner, and about any church you walked into, you would hear the word of the Lord. You would hear the songs of Zion. You would hear the people preaching and praying and singing and shouting, and you would feel the presence of the Lord. Nowadays, you can go to church and don't feel nothing when you're in the building. You can walk into Pentecostal churches, and if you didn't know that it was Pentecostal churches by the sign on the door, you'd think you walked into nothing that Sunday. Now, I am not knocking anybody from a different denomination, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian. I don't care what you, whatever your church, I'm like, I tell you all the time. It's like ice creams. Everybody has different flavors. Some people like vanilla. They like it real plain. They don't want a lot of noise. They don't want a lot of ruckus. They want it very plain. But some people like the pastor. They want to be fat. They want to have the rocky road. They want to have marshmallows. They want to have whipped cream. They want to have chocolate syrup. They want to have all the toppings on it. They want, if they're going to get the calories, they want all the calories they can get in that bowl that's why I chose to be Pentecostal I don't want to be blase I don't want to be second quote I want to have everything God if God wants to give me every topping that he can out of heaven I want everything he'll send me from the portals of glory I don't want to be bland if I did I have plenty of choices to do that the reality is people walk in this day and age they walk into churches Had they not read the sign, they wouldn't have known where they were at. We live in a day you can go to church. You can sit on a pew or a chair or whatever the church may have. They can sing and they can preach. And you can leave no different than the way you walked in. Something is wrong with that picture. The Bible says iron sharpens iron so much as a friend sharpens a friend. The reality is when I come to church, something should be chiseled off that Sunday. That don't mean I'm going to every Sunday get my life wrecked. But from time to time, something needs to be chiseled off of me so that I'm becoming more because I'm not like Christ yet, but I'm supposed to be daily crucifying myself to perfect myself to look more like Him. The reality of it is people go to church. They can live in sin, engage in sin, promote sin, and we give them positions in church. We place them in leadership. We sit them on various boards and committees. No, God can't bless that. They come to church. They feel comfortable, complacent. They feel life is just great. Most people treat church like a country club. 
They come. They put a few dollars in an offering box, which is their dues, their HOAs, their dues. They put them in there because what they're really saying is, when I die, preacher, I need a really good chicken dinner and you just say a lot of nice things. I'm paying for your services is what they're saying. It's, an H, it's, it's, a, it's a country club. I pay and I expect you to give me something in return. Let me help you with something. I've been at camp meeting this week. Maybe it's just I've been gone and so I just had it all bundled up inside of me and hadn't had time to think about it for so long. I had a lot of time in the hotel to think about this stuff. It dawned on me. If that's how you feel, just keep your money. Don't curse the church because you're a grudge. Please don't. I'd rather have to go get a secondary job than to touch cursed money every week. Because the reality of it is you don't pay country club HOA, country club fees because you need a good chicken dinner. You should be giving it back because you wouldn't have it if it weren't for God. It's that simple. You wouldn't have the business. You wouldn't have the home. You wouldn't drive the nice car. You wouldn't have what you had if it not been for God being merciful and letting you have it. It's the only reason you got it. See, I a lot of exciting things happened over the last week. One of those things. I got a picture just a couple, about a week ago. Well, not quite a week, give or take. Brother Calsey, he and I have been working for a long time trying to get him his minister license. And we've been going back and forth, back and forth with the state and the international offices. And they were tell, telling us that he may have to just take the last test to be the ordained bishop's test. And we kept pulling, we kept pulling, we were praying, whatever. Well, this past week, well, the end of last week, he got a letter in the mail. He thought that it was just going to give him more information about where his packet was. You know what it was? It was his ordained bishop license in the mail. See, that's exciting. That's exciting. This past week, Carmen and Tyler, I believe it was on Wednesday, signed papers on a home. They're, going to, they're buying a home. They're going to have their own home for their new little baby. They got a lot of work to do to get the home ready because December this little baby's coming, so they better hurry up and start working on a nursery. Time's ticking. So I better figure it out. If any of y'all got any spare time or paint, they would love to have you. That's a free. You don't have to pay me for that. I just helped y'all guys. I just find your workers. The reality of the fact is those are exciting things. And that's, that's the way it should be in the family of God. But sometimes, sometimes things in life are not always pleasant. They're not always exciting. They don't always go the way we want. And sometimes God's looking for people to be dependable in mountaintops, but also be dependable in valley low. He doesn't need us to be wishy-washy. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God doesn't need us to be wishy-washy. He needs us to be consistent in these last days. What do we need to be dependable on? Well, let me give you a couple examples. God wants some people to be faithful to him. I could preach here, but I really probably shouldn't because I'd like to stay here a couple more months to make three years. But the reality of it is this. The reason God, some of the reasons things are happening in the church world today is because people have lost their first love. It's like the church of Laodicea. You got all the bells and whistles. You got the lights, the sound, the smoke, the fog, the this, the that, and the other. You just don't love me anymore. There's a problem in the house. There's a lot of people that have perfected church, know how to do church, know how to make church feel like church. The only problem is they forgot God's not there. He left the building a long time ago. Elvis wasn't the only person to leave the building that Sunday. The Lord walked out with him. And nobody noticed because we perfected the art of church. Hebrews 3 and 2 tells us to be partakers of the heavenly calling. Paul reminds young Timothy to be faithful. What else can we be dependable in? Well, God wants us to be faithful to his word. 
God doesn't expect you just to get in His Word when I preach to you on Sundays and Wednesdays. God wants you to self-feed and just let me or whoever's preaching that Sunday to accent and to encourage and to strengthen and to equip you and send you out. If the only time you ever crack your Bible, read your Bible, hear the Bible is on Sunday morning or Wednesday night when you're in this building, you got a problem. You're lacking some daily supplements in your life. You are spiritually killing yourself. You need to take some more vitamins, spiritual vitamins. You're dying. You're dying. I can't feed you everything. I don't have enough time in a day. I don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday morning when all hell breaks loose at the job. But you and God need to know how to figure that out. Well, I could give you scriptures for that, but I'm going to keep moving. What else do I need to be dependable on? Well, God wants us to be faithful to the church. My God, could I preach here for a while. But I would probably best not to because all of you would not like me what I'd have to say today. Because... I can quote the scripture. Don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves in the manner of some, but come together with exhortation and worship together. I can quote that all you want to. Half of the world can quote that. They just don't live it. There's a lot of people like to talk about what they can and can't do and what they should and shouldn't do. There's a lot of people talking about it. They just don't put money where their mouth is. They talk a whole lot more than they put action to it. I have people all the time. Well, I would come, but this happened. That happened. The other. I'm not talking about people who get sick. I'm not talking about people who are providentially hindered. I'm talking about there are people in this world that are bonafidely fully able to do whatever they want to do and they choose not to. They didn't mind going to the ball game on Saturday, but they were too tired to go to church on Sunday. They didn't mind going to hang out with their friends on Saturday night and get home late, but that just made them too exhausted for Sunday morning. Or they get off late so they can't come on Wednesday night, so be it. But it's really funny. They're so exhausted they can't do anything on Sunday. But Sunday afternoon they're out to eat or they're in their boat or they're on the tail race or they're somewhere. But by golly, they're out late on Sunday night. But come 8 o'clock, my God, they're clocking in at the work. We don't even ask you to be here at 8. We ask you to be here at 11. I gave you three extra hours. And people still go, yeah, I don't have time for that. Dependable to the church. See, I learned something. I just got to get it off my chest. I'll move quickly, I promise. I just got to get it off my chest. People come to church. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking universal. I hear people all the time, other churches as well, say this. Man, I got people coming to my church. They're clamoring for us to have more ministry. They want a young adult ministry. And they want a junior high ministry. And they want a boys club. And they want a girls club. They want all these ministries and all this stuff. And you know what? It dawned on me at camp meeting this week when I heard them all talking about it. I thought, you know, that's a great idea. I wonder how many of them signed up for it. Because here's the reality. Everybody talks about what we need, what we need, what we should do, what we should do. And then when you say, well, can you help us out? Well, that's not my gift. That's not my calling. What is your calling? Grumbling. That's your calling. That's what your calling is. You do have a ministry. It is called the ministry of complaining. It's in the Bible. I even have, I even have a word for you. Israelite. That's who you are. You're not a Gentile. You're a Jew. You're an Israelite. You're an old school Israelite mentality. You're going to complain. You're not going to fix it. You're going to complain about it. The reality of it is that's how we live our lives. Faithful to the church. See, some people are more dependable to social activities than they are to things that have eternal consequences. I'll let you figure out the rest of that statement. God wants us to be faithful to our families. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Be in harmony, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and humble. First Peter 3 and 8 says, God needs us to be dependable to our family. 
God needs men to be men and be fathers. Anybody can produce a child, but not everybody can raise a child. Anybody can be a biological father on a birth certificate, but not everybody's a dad. There's a lot of people out there that produce offspring, but I don't want them raising their children because they're not doing a really good job. There are some people out there, bonus moms and dads, that come into the equation to help rear other people's children and step into the gaps that are missing in people's lives or, or in church worlds. There's, there's, there's men and women that step up and be spiritual fathers and mothers. And, and the Apostle Paul told Timothy about that, about the older women teaching the younger women and the older men teaching the younger men. There's people that, that, that there might be kids that come from some messed up life somewhere and then they have families that, that take them in or that shelter them or spiritually guide them and nurture them. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful ministry. Some people are teaching their children not to love God or the things of God. Some people are putting their love and affections towards sports, social activities, traveling, boating, fishing, tournaments, seeing the world, making a name. What happens when heaven calls? What happens when God, hello, this is the Lord speaking, what happens then? That bass boat tournament won't do nothing. God doesn't have bass boat tournaments in the Crystal River. Sorry, all you guys that like fishing, I hate to bust your bubble, God's not having a bass tournament in heaven in the Crystal River. Don't find anywhere in scripture where you bring your rod and reel and you have a tournament. Never found it. Never found it. But I do find in the scripture where everybody one day is going to have to stand before God and give an account for every righteous deed and every unwholesome deed they've ever done in their life. The world is full of craziness, uncertainty, but the church should be the place where stability is found. But the church has become more and more unstable and less dependable. See, it amazed me over the last two years. God help me today. It amazed me over the last two years how many people have freaked out about what's going on in the world. I thought in my heart there was a lot more stronger Christians than there are today. I really did. I thought. Now, I know God's reading out the wheat from the table, but I really had some high expectations for some folks. I really thought better of them, and they let me down because they did operate in a spirit of fear. Look, COVID real? Yes. Was it scary? Yes. Was it uncertain? Yes. Is it still uncertain? Yes. Are there things that people have an opinion on? Sure. Take the vaccine? Sure. Don't take the vaccine? Sure. Should I take it or should I not take it? The answer to that question is yes. What do you mean, preacher? I don't know. It's up to you. That's not the point of the matter. The point that I have, the issue that I have with it is it came into the church. And now instead of being the religious elite and studying the things of God, we became a political society that we none are running for political office, but it divided the church. The devil did exactly what he wanted. He wanted to create a wedge and a divisiveness in the body of Christ. He was a smart man. See, the Bible tells me that when all that happened, what we should have been doing is all of us should have been coming to church, shouting the walls off the, the paint off the walls, rejoicing, because in that moment, our redemption draws nigh. The Bible said when you see all these things happening, look up for your redemption draws nigh. We should have been happy about that. 
know what it did to us? Made us run. We clammed up. We locked up. We quarantined. We freaked out. We, we did all this stuff. I'm not saying that if you got sick, you shouldn't have taken care of yourself. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the church of the living God, instead of rejoicing because Jesus was coming, we operated in fear the rest of the time. Well, I'm just going to bust your bubble a little more. I'm already on a roll. Might as well go broke. I drove separate today, so even Brenda doesn't have to worry about bullets flying on the way home. She can make it safe. You see, you know what got me when I was sitting at camp meeting this week? I don't think I have ever in my life said this from a pulpit in my life. Probably won't ever say it again because I probably won't live to tell about it. But I sat in a hotel room and I started thinking. That's dangerous, y'all. That's not a good thing. My mind started drifting. And I started thinking to myself, when did the church become the political scene? I watched people walk at Church of God camp meeting. They didn't put their ministerial file number on their chest, but they might as well have because they were running for every office they could possibly get voted on in that election. They're all like, oh, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Just recently got my doctor. Oh, my church is doing good. Man, I tell you what, if you ever need any help on that church ministries board, just, you know, I'd be loved. I'd love to help you out. Why don't you just say, let me have that job? Why don't you just come out and say that's what you want? I mean, quit, quit being around the bush. I watched one pastor. God help me. Lord, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I told Brianna when I was up there, I said, I'm ready to go back to Santee Circle. I want to go back to my little holy bubble with my people, and I don't want to come out. Just they don't ever take me out in public again. But I watched. I'm going to borrow you for a second just because you have a gun. Thank God for faithful men. He's dependable. Good shot, too. So don't come at me right now. I watched that the guest speaker. Now, let's just say that that was the pastor over there of said church. The guest speaker's been preaching. I saw people. Brother Randy's the guest speaker. I saw pastors on this side of the auditorium. But as soon as the speaker came down off the stage, all the way across the entire side of a tabernacle, I saw men literally move prayer lines out of the way. This way, because they wanted to be the one that caught the person so that the man of God could see they were there. Who cares? You know what? Let me just help you. If it's really the Spirit of the Lord, I don't have to catch you. Listen to what I just said. If I, I'm not, I understand worried about a lawsuit, this, that, and the other. But if I don't have enough faith to stay in my little bubble over here and not have to move people who need something from God so that I can get into the presence of a man that has nothing, no offense to the man of God that preached that week, he has the anointing of God, but it's the anointing of God, not the anointing of him. I don't need him to touch me. I don't need him to lay his handkerchief on me. I don't need him to jack slap me across the face with his King James Schofield Bible that he got from Jimmy Swaggart at a Bible Fawn convention. I don't need him to hit me with that. That's not what I'm after. I should have stayed in my little holy bubble over here, put my face in the carpet and cried out to God and left, my, left him alone and let God speak to me. But when I can move people out of the way so that a man can see me, we now got a problem. We got a problem. Thank you. We now got a problem. Well, here's what else I started thinking. I started thinking with all the people arguing about all the stuff, with, you know, COVIDs and things like that. I started thinking. <laughs> I said, Lord, you know what gets me? I'm going to stand up here. It's harder to hit me as a moving target. 
two and a half years ago, people were so disappointed that a man did not go back into a seat at Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. Now, I'm not here to talk about your political, who you voted for, who you did In fact, if you really want to know, I don't care. In fact, I would prefer you not to come by my office and talk to me because I don't want to judge you when I think you're an idiot for what you did. It's better that way. Let me think you're smart even if you're not. I'm not saying you're not smart. I'm just saying don't, don't give me reason to think differently. But over two and a half years ago, people got all jacked up because a man did not get reelected and put back into a seat in Washington. But let me, before I run out of here with my coattails on fire to save myself from public embarrassment and getting shot at, let me help you with something. Who cares? Because I'm not looking for a man at Pennsylvania Avenue to fix the problem. But I can promise you, there is a man that's about to come, but he's going to split an eastern sky. And when he comes, it doesn't matter who is sitting where or who's doing what. I'm going with him. I don't plan on staying here anyway. I'm out of here. I'm not going to stay anyway. Who cares? I'm leaving with that guy. Because when that eastern sky splits, I don't plan on worrying about it because I'm going with him because it's a lot better up there. This kingdom is not of this world, but I'm going to a kingdom whose builder and maker is the Lord. I'm not worried about it. There's going to be a king of kings and a lord of lords that's going to supersede anything in Washington. And newsflash, he's going to supersede everything that comes out of a pulpit too. I don't care how many television stations you got. Lord, don't let me go here. Jesus. I don't care how many television stations you own. How many Christian broadcast programs you have. God's not coming. God doesn't need us to be a relevant church. He needs us to be a righteous one. I'm not saying the methodology doesn't have to change from time to time because of the way culture is and the way certain things are. But the message should never be compromised for the sake of that. I don't need to go to another Hatton in church. I need to go to a church that still is holy. I don't need to go to another emotionally driven church. I need to go to a spirit-powered and filled church. I don't need more sermons and singings, but I need spirit-driven, spirit-led, spirit-moving outpourings of the Holy Spirit. I don't need somebody else to sing me another song. In fact, I can almost play any song you could probably think of in your head behind a piano. I don't need you to sing me another song. I probably could sing them. I probably could quote them. I probably have heard them. I don't need you to sing them to me. I've heard more sermons than I count to t- count, tell to count or even want to count. I was at camp meeting since the day I was three weeks old. Not three months, not three years. Three weeks old. I was sitting at Church of God camp meeting. I've heard more sermons from every elected official. I've heard some that were great preachers. There were some couldn't preach their way out of a wet paper bag. There were some, I'm not even sure they were called to preach, period. I don't know what they were called to do, but it was, certainly wasn't public speaking. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I've lived it all. But I don't care if they can preach. I don't care if they can sing because I really don't give a care what they think because I'm looking for somebody else. I'm looking for a great teacher. I'm looking for a great high priest. I'm looking to get out of this place. I don't care what goes on around me. I'm looking for Jesus to come get me out of this mess. Well, the world doesn't need a doubtful church but a dependable one. Let me quickly finish. Miss Carol, you come. But God also needs us to be disciplined. He don't need us to be just floundering around out there somewhere just doing whatever. Because when you don't discipline things, it becomes unruly. 
That's why the world's in the way, shape it's in right now. It's because we like discipline. Nobody likes rules. Nobody likes discipline. It denotes struggle, sacrifice, doing things we wouldn't naturally do on our own. Things like exercise. Nobody wants to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning all the time. But you would rather do that than be fat. So you get up. Discipline. In fact, the Bible tells them, Carol, you can make your way. They just need to feel better right now. I can see it. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul talked about that like, like an athlete that trains his body. We are supposed to be doing that in our spiritual man. We're supposed to be training our body. We should be getting ourselves disciplined into the things of God. And nobody wants to do diets. Nobody wants to see somebody bring a dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts knowing that you can't have them because you're diabetic. Nobody likes that. People hate people like that. When you're on a diet and you're trying not to eat sweets and they bring two dozens of Krispy Kreme donuts to church, you don't like that person that Sunday. You're coming to the altar to pray because you have a spirit of animosity towards them. I'm calling you out right now where you are. You should just run to the altar right now. You know who you are. I told him this morning, there's nothing more disappointing. I walked in there, two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts in a box. Everybody's sitting there at the table. I go to open the first box. Nothing in it. Y'all know how disappointing that is? I want to take that box and slap the last person who took the last one. You know what they didn't do? They didn't tell me who the last person was because they knew I'd probably hit them with that box. I'm thinking to myself, the trash can is only 10 feet away from there. You could not have thrown in a trash can just so I wasn't disappointed. See, nobody likes diets, sometimes exercise, or military life. Taking medications, all that requires discipline. But can I tell you that our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are producing in us and working for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. It stinks now, but it's going to get better. It's only for a season. We may have to take these supplements while we're here on earth, but being disciplined in our walk with God, being disciplined in church, being disciplined in our prayer life, being disciplined, it's for just a season because these afflictions and these momentary lapses that happen in our life, but they're making us be closer and closer and closer to getting home and getting to be with Jesus. Here's the last one. God not only wants you to be dependable and disciplined, but he needs you to be doctrinal. He needs you to know what you believe, why you believe it, and stand by it. God doesn't want wishy-washy Christians. <laughs> he wants us to rightly divide the whole word of God. He doesn't want us to compromise moral absolutes for political and social acceptance. He doesn't want us to be so relevant that holiness is conceded. He doesn't want us to acquiesce to the ultimatums of cultural relevancy and social demands and gender confusion and acceptance in the expense of compromising the authoritative word of God. God is not confused when he created male and female. He didn't get He knows what he and she means. I don't know why we're struggling with that. God already defined it real quick. All the way from the foundation of earth, he created male and female in his image and told them to go be fruitful and procreate and multiply them. God wasn't confused. Why are we all of a sudden confused? God already fixed that debate. Can I tell you that you cannot be more spiritual than you are scriptural? 
You can't be more spiritual than you are scriptural. You can name it, claim it, blab it, stab it, slay it, pray it, kill it, will it, whatever you want. But if you ain't operating under the Word of God, you wasted your time. You know the difference between spiritual and emotional? It's scriptural. Spiritual, God's going to stamp His seal of approval on it, but the Lord's not going to contradict His Word. So if the Word is not lining up with the Spirit, it's not spiritual, it's emotional. Emotional don't fix nothing. Spiritual fixes things, not emotional. Now, I'm going to say this, and then I'm done for today. And then you get to go home for the rest of the day and see me back on Wednesday night. Dependable, disciplined, and doctrinal. If you take those three supplements in your daily life, you depend on God, but He can depend on you. If you are disciplined, you get up, you pray, you seek His face, you try to have a communion, a relationship. If you stay disciplined to the things of God, and you stay connected to His Word, the doctrinal aspect, you stay connected to what His Word, thus saith the Word of the Lord, you take those vitamins, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You'll be fine. Now, I'm not here to bash people that do this, so don't get me wrong. But I've been to churches where they have taken buildings, spray-painted it black to make it look like a dark warehouse that you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Then they barely turn the lights on so you can't even see if you have a face in the building. You don't even know if anybody else is in the building with you. I've heard people say, oh, that's so that we can create the intimacy of the moment. And, you know, Well, the Bible says I'm supposed to worship with my brothers and sisters. How can I worship with them if I don't even know they're there? <laughs> I can't even see if they're in the house. <laughs> you got people that's got pyrotechnics. They got confetti flying. They got bombs. Sounds like they're going off in worship service with all these, you know, you know, uh, pyrotechnics and you know I've seen it where people you know coming out of church with you know they've got the little you know streamer looking things firecracker things on the side of the stage they come running out to do their worship or whatever they got lights flashing faster than a strobe light and you're thinking I have I have seizures I come to church to be diagnosed with seizures having problems I've seen it where more lights there's more colors on the back wall than any color of the rainbow you've ever seen I mean there's more colors splattered flattered everywhere I've seen them make it feel like country club, nightclub, bar club, hip-hop, all the stuff. In fact, one church, I won't say who they are, one church, their opening song a while back was Ice Ice Baby, a secular song. That's what they opened up worship with to get everybody excited for church. Then went into How Great Is Our God right after Ice Ice Baby. (laughs) Something didn't add up there for me. See, I've seen it all. I've seen churches that have steeples and stained glass windows and padded pews that are 75 feet long because they wouldn't break them up. They're 700 pounds in weight, but they're 25 feet in length. You could sit a row of 17 people on it, but who wants to sit in this section? Who wants to crawl through five people and five people to get to seats 12, 13, and 14? Nobody. So it's always empty, but the pews were longer than anything. I've been there at all. Do you know what bothers me the most? Whether you 
black it out, stream it, strobe light it, pyrotechnic it. Whether you're in the traditional of traditions with big steeples and stained glass windows and long pews and a more nominal look. The church is in trouble all around this world. I said to you last week, and I stand by it, the reason we live in a shattered nation is because we have a broken church. The church is broke. Not every church, don't get me wrong, not every church is bad. Not every church that does some of those things I describe necessarily, if they, you know, that's what they would get people to know Jesus, to have multiple lights on the back wall, then God bless them. It's not my problem, that's theirs. That's whatever works for them to get Jesus' people saved. But the problem I do have is there's more people day by day going into churches, what they say are churches. Let me say that. And they walk in and they think they're okay with God. But when God comes knocking, they're going to be in for a rude awakening when he says, I do not know you. See, the reality of the fact is God needs a dependable church. He needs a disciplined church. He needs a doctrinal church. The church is where we are is because we've lost our status of being consistent and dependable. We've lost our status of being disciplined. We just let anything and everything go in church nowadays. Everything and everything. No matter what you do, just anything and everything goes. But you know what? We've also lost our doctrinal commitments. We've lost who we are. People questioning the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People questioning, do you have to really be saved? Do you have to really go through a sanctification process? People questioning what they believe doctrinally. You know the greatest decision you could ever make on Father's Day 2022? It's reaffirm your commitment not only to your family and to your church, but to reaffirm your commitment from a dependable a discipline and a doctrinal stance reaffirm your commitment to God and say, God, you can count on me. No matter what happens, I'll be a prayer warrior. I'll be one that stands you can depend on me. God, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to study your word. I'm going to pray. And God, I'm going to get back into that doctrinal aspect of studying your word and learning more from you. God, you can count on me. Because I'm telling you, if you don't take those D3 supplements, the devil will trip you up, mess you up, and he'll take more from you than you really wanted him to have. I'm just telling you. You walk out here and say, oh, that pastor, he's young. He don't know what he's talking about. He's full of it. You go ahead. I'll be full of it all you want to. But when you come knocking at my office door and tell me what all happened, I'm going to ask you, can God depend on you? How disciplined have you been with him? Have you been studying his word? And when you say, well, pastor, I was busy and I was this and I was the other. You know what I'm going to say? You need to go back to June 19th, 2022 and look at the sermon that's online because I told you this day would happen because you did not affirm your commitment to God and make sure you were right with Him and everything was okay and I told you the devil would come if you didn't take your supplements the devil's going to come and take stuff from you and here we are here we are as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed I wonder if there's any this afternoon this morning that I can pray with before I leave and I just simply want you to raise your hand if you say pastor this morning, I, I just have a need that I'd like you to pray for. I've got some things going on, some situations that I'm dealing with and other things. I'd just like to have you to pray for it. Do you just slip your hand wherever you are? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to stand all over this house. And if you feel comfortable doing so, I'm going to ask you to grab the person's hand beside you. I'm going to ask you to help me pray today. Because this Father's Day, what we need more than anything else is to depend on one another. Some of you guys in here have good eternal fathers in heaven. 
That's God the Father. Some of you have been blessed with some of the best fathers on this side of heaven. You have the best of the best. Some of you have been spiritual fathers to people and were the best of the best to them. Grandfathers, maybe even great-grandfathers. We still have a world that is in need. We still have a world that needs the Lord to come back and to help us. And more than anything else, we have a world that needs to be reconnected to the Father that is in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We need to connect to Him. So can we pray together that the Lord would help us all to take these D3 supplements, to take these things in our lives and help us to become better Christians and leaders and do what Apostle Paul told Timothy. And then take this and go tell other people, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to live like this. There's a father. Oh, what a father. Oh, what a friend. Oh, what a savior. He is. He is a good, good father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, to the best best of my ability, the very best of my ability, I have shared your word. And I have tried so hard to convey to the people of God their need and their desire to have a right relationship and communication with the Lord. Father, I'm asking today that under the sound of my voice that every man, woman, boy or girl in this auditorium or online would have let this word take residency in their heart. Speak to their heart. Let them reaffirm their commitment to you. Let them reaffirm their devotion to you. Let them realize that there's still a God that says high above heaven and earth that can heal and deliver and set free and can make things right again and whole again. We can put our trust. Some may put their trust in horses and some may put their trust in chariots, but we will trust the name of the Lord our God. God, we ask today you would help us to reaffirm our commitment to being dependable men and women and a dependable church. Help us to be a disciplined people, a disciplined church, and help us to be doctrinal in studying your word and only operating on the principles and precepts line by line, precept upon precept of your word. Help us to speak that into existence. Father, may you bless this wonderful congregation and you keep them and you make your face shine upon them. You be gracious to them. You lift up your countenance towards them and give them the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. And may the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. The body of Christ said, Amen. Amen. Before Brother Randy prays our closing prayer today, let me remind you that Wednesday night, we will not have service tonight due to Father's Day and so many people are just going everywhere today. Half of you ain't coming back anyway, so enjoy the day on me. But we are going to meet on Wednesday night in the fellowship hall. We've been thinking about this for some time, but we've had VBS projects and everything in there for the time, but the youth have relocated to a different building with more space for them. So we're meeting back. We did this a while back pre-COVID. It was very nice. We could have dialogue, discussion. We could sit together at tables. We could, we could discuss the word of the Lord together. We could share the word of the Lord together. So we'll be back in the fellowship hall Uh, It also has its own air conditioning, so I don't have to climatize this whole other side of the building, saving us money. So it all works out, because I'm going to have to climatize that part anyway, because your children want their drinks out of there, so it's time to be cool for them to come in. So we're going to move to the fellowship hall for a season, and we're going to see how it goes, and we're going to try some new things to encourage our Wednesday night attendance and program, get you more engaged 
with that, more of a dialogue and, and study together. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think, and we're going to enjoy that together. So Wednesday at 7, you can come in here, you can sit in here, but it's going to be real dark, and we're going to be back there. But if you sit in here and you don't see we're here, if you don't remember we're back there, pray the whole hour while you're here. Don't make it a wasted trip. Just go ahead and pray the whole time so that at least it was productive while you were here. You spend that much on gas, you might as well make it worth the time being here. So just pray for us. But please make sure you do that. I love you to all our fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, spiritual fathers, bonus fathers, soon-to-be fathers, and any other qualification that makes you a father of some sort. Happy Father's Day. I do have a gift from you. It's not a lot, but it's not a coffee mug either, so it's better. So I do have a gift for you on your way out. If you'll see me, I will not be at this double doors. I will be at the double doors leading into the Welcome Center to greet you this morning and to give you your gift today. Even if you're not, you say, well, I don't have kids or whatever else. If you have ever discipled a child, ever been a spiritual father, or have ever prayed for someone in an altar, just tell me you're a father. You can have a gift too. I got enough for everybody. Ladies, you don't get one. You're not a father. You don't matter how you try to spin it. You're not a father. You can tell me you prayed for anybody you want to. I already gave you something. It was Mother's Day. You already got your day. You're going to have to wait another while. Wait till Christmas. But this for the men today. Guys, we got something for you. And please don't send your little 7 or 8-year-old kid to come get it because I don't want them to be getting hurt with it or breaking it. So make sure you come get the gift from me today. I love you. I'm praying for you. Brother Randy, will you close us out today?